Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sal Licata back on the fan. Now, this is going to be a thrill for me because I got the opportunity. First of all, if you don't know by now, I mean, I, I grew up a Mets fan. So, of course, I was a big Mets fan for the teams that he orchestrated. He put together some of the you know more powerful Mets teams that we've seen in franchise history, well associated with the Mets, and then an opportunity to work with them for a year or so at SNY on Baseball Night in New York. And then I get word that Omar Minaya is joining the New York Yankees front office. So I happen to be on at a decent hour today. I figure, you know what, let's call Omar and talk some Yankees if he's available. Omar Minaya, senior advisor with the New York Yankees, joins us right now. Omar, how you doing? You getting used to those pinstripes yet? What's going on, my man, Sal? I love it. How yeah, you doing? I appreciate taking the time. I got to be honest with you. Me and Duquette, we look at some of the pictures sometimes. We see it there in the Yankee polo. It's weird looking at you in Yankee gear still. <laughs> you know, you're not the only one. You know, Sal, I'm a guy from Queens and been in Queens my whole life. Uh, but you know what? Uh, Yogi Berra was a Yankee and became a man. And Tom Seaver was a man and became a Yankee. Uh, a lot of history. Joe Torrey was a man and became a Yankee. So, you know, I'm telling you guys that, you know, have done that in the past, and especially New York guys, whether it's Lee Mazzilli, Willie Randolph. Mm. Uh, but you know what? A queen guy being in the Bronx, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's, there's precedent for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you're, I'm, you're a guy I'm Beltran. Part, I'm part of that group. I'm yeah, part yeah, of that group. Yeah, yes, right. Now you're not part, uh, part of the group to be associated with both organizations. How's the, before we get into some of the specifics with the club now, Omar, How's it been with the balance? One of the reasons I think Brian Cashman decided to hire Sabian and yourself is to maybe bring a little balance, right? You're more of a scout background as opposed to the data and analytics that I understand the importance in the game, but the Yankees have been heavily relying on that and maybe been criticized for it. How's the balance been so far in your workings in that Yankee front office? Well, first of all, you know, uh, the first thing as far as being criticized, and I've heard that, 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 uh, that being said, but you got to talk about the guys, the Yankees, as far as when it comes to how they've been in the playoff and all that, and, and that part of the quote-unquote the data group. For me, Sal, I mean, it's just unbelievable young, real bright talent, starting off with Michael Fishman there and all that. And, you know, I was, I mean, brought in because I'm a, I'm a veteran baseball guy, experienced baseball guy. When you experience baseball guy, you know what that means, Sal? You have a lot of mistakes. That's what you mean. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, you know, I don't take pride in my mistakes, but all I can do is try to help along the way. I think Brian Cashman, from Brian to Hal Steinbrenner to Randy Levine, as a group, they want to just, whenever decisions are made, that you have the best input. And I love, um, you know, 
being part of this group here and all the, you know, whether it's the leadership uh, in the data department, but the leadership, uh, it starts with Brian Cashford. And then, of course, on the field, it's, uh, you know, it starts with Booney. And, you know, being part of this organization, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. It's been, I've been welcomed by everybody in the organization. And look, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they're the Yankees. It's a brand, and, you know, it's, it's about not only getting to the playoff for the Yankees, it's about getting to the World Series and trying to win the World Series. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, just to let you know. And you guys are off to a great start. And I got to say, you know, we've been talking about Brian Cashman here the last couple of days. Omar, it seems he does this once a year. Franchi Cordero, what the hell? How did you guys find this guy? Kind of out of nowhere where Cashman does it with Luke Void. You know, even Cameron Maben off the scrap heap. He well, contributed. Matt Carpenter. Remember, exactly. Remember Carpenter last year. And I will tell you this, how he does it, he listens to his people. I've been there. It's a collaborative information decision uh, and what I, I've been part of just watching and being there for just a couple of months is very simple. Brian trusts his staff. He trusts his people and uh, decisions are made and some people may agree or disagree but in the end of the day if, if the word collaboration uh, you know that's the definition of collaboration is how Brian Cashman uh, uh, leads. That's how he does it. So what did you guys see? Let's use Franchi Cordero specifically. What did you guys see in this player that made you think, hey, you know what, with us, maybe we could get the most out of him here and he could be a player that could be an impact bat for us, even if uh, it's just part of the season? Well, there are usually underlining uh, numbers, and that's where the data department comes in. Usually like, uh, underlining numbers uh, that show, hey, this guy, you know, he does impact the ball, whether it's, whether it's uh you know, when you look at his exit velocity, you know, there is some questions about strikeouts there, and he is a change of position guy. But in the end, what really led the decision was going to be like, listen, we just from a balance standpoint from Booney wanted a left-handed bat. And then the other thing that can play, he can play left, he can play right, and that versatility and impacting the ball came in. You know, as far as from the traditional style, whether it's Sabian, myself, or you got, you know, Jim Hendry, uh, and, and, you know, you have a whole bunch of different, you know, leader guys that are on the, uh, on the scouting side, Tim Nering on the scouting mm. department. We look at a guy that say, okay, well, what's his age? You know, he's been, you know, he was, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have Cordero when we were in the Padres. We signed him at an early age, so I had history with him as a person. You know what I'm saying? But it was all a collab. These decisions are made uh, uh, in collaboration of the data department and the and the quote unquote the uh, what, we, what people call the traditional the eyes scouting side. What's you know everybody thinks about Gene Michael. Everybody said, well, what do what do the eyes tell you? And what kind of that Gene fitting into what that 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 philosophy that Gene Michael says? What do the eyes tell you? It's a collaboration and the impact. The ball you know jumped off the bat. The extra velocity was there, but the eye told us about the age and everything else. Okay, and it's been a revelation at least so far through these first, you know, 14 games, whatever it's been with the or 12 games now for the Yankees. You guys have won the first four series of the year. One other storyline, and I know we've talked about this a lot, whether it be with the Mets or the Yankees, Omar prospects can become suspect at times. Anthony Volpe, though, is one who is a legitimate player, won the job for you guys out of spring training, gets the starting job at shortstop, off to a little bit of a slow start. He rocked one today to start the game, which I thought was encouraging. What have you seen with Volpe so far at the major league level? And then how long do you let it go if he does continue to struggle a little bit? Well, you know, when you commit to a a prospect like Volpe, and Volpe's going to be fine. 
one of the things that we talked about in spring training is when we commit to a kid like that, we're going to commit to him. And the truth, if you look at historical uh, guys, young players, they take a little time to kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, adjust to the, it's the major leagues and they're young and 19, 20 years old. So they go from an age separation of playing against guys three years older than them to maybe guys 10 years older than them. Take that into account. You know, Volpe's going to be fine. Now, you have to respect it is the major league, and there's no doubt when we talked about it, we were committed to giving him some time, and, and Booty did a great job yesterday taking, giving him a breather. So what does he do? He puts him in the leadoff spot. And what does he do? He gets a knock. That's a great job. It's a, you know, that's Booty and the staff. You know, here we go from ninth to and Booty putting him in the leadoff spot is telling him, hey, kid, we believe in you. And right. the kid responded. Right, and that's what I like about it, Omar, because, hey, look, I know you guys, once you make that decision, it's, hey, we're making this decision, we're not turning back, which is why it's such a tough decision. Once you give him the job, you're not going to want to be sending him back down there, but... I don't care how good you are. If you don't have success at the highest level, you're going to have some doubt creep in. And I think you bring up a great point that I really didn't think about. Boone putting him in the leadoff spot after the off day, knowing he's struggling, showing some confidence, trying to guide him along a little bit. Maybe that gets Volpe going here offensively. Well, that's something that you can't quantify. That's something that we as experienced baseball people and Booney brings to the table. You can't quantify that. You cannot quantify that decision. But you can, from a development standpoint, you know, say, hey, that's a, that's a big message. What are you seeing from Glaber Torres? I mean, look, Omar, this is a guy who was an all-star. He was supposed to be one of the, you know, 2018, 2019, you're talking about one of the young, bright faces in Major League Baseball, a young star in the making, and then he fell off a little bit, 2020, 2021, 2022. I know he puts up good numbers for a second baseman anyway, but there were higher expectations for Torres. He's off to a red-hot start. What are you seeing from Glaber? What I'm seeing is a guy that's out there playing, you know, to his expectation. I mean, and I say expectation, the type of different expectation. There's people that put expectations that are not real. He's just a good player. He's a good player. He's a winning player. He's out there. He's hitting the ball. I love it when he's staying in, in, in the middle of the field. And when he stays in the middle of the field, he's an all-star. Yeah, he's hitting the ball the other way. You know Glaber is going well. How about Peraza? We, you know, He was supposed to be the starting shortstop, or at least it was his job to lose in spring. I'm trying to figure out, Omar, how there's going to be a path for Peraza to make an impact at the big league level this year. You think that's possible? Of course. Now, of course, I haven't seen him because I'm new here, and I've heard a lot of great things about him, so you know, Sal. So all I can tell you is there's a lot of great baseball people, not only in the Yankees, in the industry, that talk well about this young man. You know, in spring training, he was a little bit hurt. But you're talking about a young man that plays in the middle of the field that a lot of teams, a lot of teams have interest in, have had had interest in in the past. All right, let's move on to the rotation. Yankees have been hit hard a little bit with the injuries to start here. Rodone, Severino. Are you concerned at all? And I know you always say, you know, you can never have enough starting pitching. Are you concerned a a little bit about that rotation and maybe the lack of depth after being hit so hard? Listen, you never want to have injuries. You never want to have injuries and those kind of guys. But you got these guys are one, you know, they those injuries that are at least that are out there, you know, these guys are going to when they get when they get in the mound and it's oh, thank God we're in April. 
they're going to be okay. So I, I am not concerned because I think they're going to be okay. How about the from a general manager standpoint, Omar? Just in general, whether it was your days with the Mets or you know being in the Yankees front office now. What you see in April is not going to be the same team, especially with the Mets and Yankees, where they're teams that are built to win the World Series. But how do you are you in evaluation mode for the first couple of months? You know, with the Mets, it's about when they're going to try to bring up their prospects because they're struggling offensively. With the Yankees, it's trying to you know hold the fort down until some of these guys, whether it's Bader, whether it's Rodon, as we mentioned, Severino, whether some of these guys come back uh, and, and healthy and be a part of it. What are you, what are you doing early on in the season as a general manager when there really aren't that many moves out there to be made well i can only speak from my experience and i can tell you that brian cashman what he's doing uh and and you're talking about when you talk about cashman you're talking about a hall of fame hall of uh hall of fame general manager you have another guy next to him and my whether it's you know what like a brian savior right I could tell you as a group, so whether it's a general manager with the Yankees or a general manager, any team, what you do is most of the general managers do in April is pretty much evaluate your talent to see where you are. You hope you get out of spring training healthy. And most general managers, so it's what they do is at this time of year, and I will tell you with the Yankees, one thing about Cash is he's like 24-7 working, and he's definitely talking to everybody. But in end game, you evaluating you know, like you said, you know, you have spring training. You don't want to get too crazy spring training. You got April's. We say the lights go on. Hmm. And what Cash is doing is pretty much just looking at this team and seeing what can we get better. What's it like looking at Aaron Judge on a daily basis here? I mean, as you say, the dude posts, right? He's been going out there last year. He was healthy this year to start off to a nice start as well. I mean, he's the best home run hitter I've ever seen in my life, and he's more than that. He's a terrific ball player. What have you seen uh, now up close in person with Aaron Judge? Well, first of all, he's the best player in the game right now. It's, very, it's easy to say that for me, and you know, that's just my evaluation. When I say that, when you look at what he's done and his number, uh, but what I've seen as, as the person, the man, the representative of baseball, um, you could not have a better representative of baseball than Aaron Judge. What I've seen, and we've all, you know, been around, I think over the years I've been around some, some pretty good guys, but this guy is at the top, you know, he's, he's top of the top when I've been around myself. Yeah, a great choice to be Yankee captain. He obviously takes that, uh, you know, and holds it in high regard as he should, but man, he is just something else. Because I catch myself watching these games, Omar, thinking, man, we're witnessing history. I know we saw it last year. But every time he steps to the plate, you're watching an all-time great in his prime with Aaron Judge. It is remarkable what he's been able to do in his career. Well, Sal, the thing that the you know, fortunate is, you know, when I came on board with the Yankees, the first thing I did was go, you know, when you go to a new organization, you want to learn about it. You want to get to find out, and I'm a bottom-up guy. Let me find out from the minor leagues. Let me find out the minor leagues department. Let me see the find, find out the facilities and all those things. So I get to Tampa, I believe, in maybe like middle January, and who's out there working? Aaron Judge. Hmm. <laughs> He's out there working in spring training, like pre-spring training. What people don't realize, these great ones, how hard they work, how much time they put into it. Right. They'll lead by example, and you're right. People just see the results. They don't see the work, the process that it takes to get there. We're talking with Omar Minaya, of course, senior advisor, 
for the Yankees, former general manager of the Mets. One more specific, Omar, to the Yankees, and then a couple just around baseball, maybe that pertain to the Mets even. You like Stanton in the outfield. There was a lot of talk about that where the Yankees feel like it might keep him healthier, actually, because that's been an issue for John Carl Stanton if they have him more active in the outfield. Do you like that idea, maybe moving well, Judge? I think to he left? likes to play the outfield. If he likes to play the outfield, I do like it, yes. Yeah, so all right. So if he's gonna if he prefers that, then you're okay with that. And I don't want to go over the you know look when Bader comes back, he's gonna be a decision to be made with Hicks or ICAF or whatever. That's maybe for uh, another day because the Yankees are playing well so far. Uh, anyway, changing gears a little bit, Omar to the WBC and Edwin Diaz. I mean, how, give me your thoughts on the World Baseball Classic. And I know I need to move on as a Met fan, but having that happen to Diaz. It, it sucked. It's seeing that happen. Well, you know, me and you worked together there in SNY. I would have loved to have been there the day that, that, and I say this, it was a sad day, you know what I'm saying? But I know my friend Sal, who I love to work with. I love his passion. I love his, he'll talk, I mean, and I would love to see and thought what your reaction was, uh, because I know you are working with you. But to answer your question, uh, I was there myself. I was at the event. Uh, I, you know, I was like so surprised, but the WBC, when you look what, I mean, like, I'm a, listen, I've been a big believer in international baseball for many years, been part of different committees in international baseball. I'm a big believer in international baseball. And I know that from Eddie Diaz, from Edwin Diaz getting hurt, but you know, and I, listen, it, it, it's, being there, Sal, it's unbelievable. It's good for the baseball. It's good for the team. It's good for, I mean, like, it could, it could not be better than what we saw in Miami this past trip. And if you're a Mets fan, I understand. Yeah, I hate so listen, it. You know, it's just those things can happen in spring training. Guys got hurt in spring training. So I, I'm a big believer in the WBC. Is there, I was calling it, I mean, just so, to give you an example, because I know you weren't there, you're working with the Yankees on BNNY, I was calling it the Worthless Baseball Classic, because it, to me, it ruined the Mets, you know, it, t- it took part in ruining some of the Mets' season here with losing them. And you're right, injuries could happen at any point, but it just stunk. Is there a better time that you think the WBC could play, it, or, or, or this is it, March? No, I think this is it, that's it. And let me tell you something, Sal, when I was the GM with the Mets in 2006, we send more players to the WBC than any team in baseball. Because hmm. I'm a big believer. I'm like, I was calling countries, hey, you want to take my player? Take my player. Because I'm a big believer that the WBC, what it does is it, it, it highlights competition. And one thing I can tell you as a talent evaluator, okay, I love competitors. I love guys that want to compete. And when you put that, when you put that in front of you or your country and guys want to compete, I want that guy. So a lot of people criticize me for 2006 because, oh, my God, you're taking too many guys. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? In 2006, we had a great year, and we had competitors. I'm a big believer that the, the international baseball, the WBC, creates. I want to see guys compete. You know what? What we got to see there between Otani okay, and Trout, it does not get better than that. You know, the Mets, by the way, Omar, have not put together an offensive team as good since 2006. You're aware of that, right? Well, I'm, I'm, all I can tell you is that <laughs> we put a good team together, but the Mets have a good team today right now. That I can tell you. Two more things for you, Omar, before we let you go, and I do appreciate your time. Actually, three more. I, I lied. I want to ask you about your son, who's now in the NBA with the Blazers here, who got an, an opportunity. But before before that, replay was a big issue in a Yankee game this afternoon. I was applauding the umps for getting the call right. Uh, let me know your th- And I thought Boone did the right thing by arguing and getting kicked out. I understand his perspective, and I understand the rule in place that you got to challenge it within 15 seconds. It shouldn't be the scoreboard. But isn't the point of all this to get the call right? They got the call right. 
It was a complicated situation because between me and you, there was two. My understanding of it, it was there's two two separate situations going on. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. There were two separate potential, uh, you know, reviews going on. So, uh, you know, it was one of those situations, and we all agree that replay is great. But it was one of those that. Not knowing what, what happened internally, like what happened, the details of it, it was one that was a complicated because you had two separate potential replays going on. Yeah, and then you know, obviously the the fifteen. Well, that's what Francona was saying about the potential of the runner scoring before the out at second base. Uh, but but the whole point was that you're not, I guess, allowed to replay or go to the replay if it's over 15 seconds or, or challenge it after 15 seconds. So it's a little bit of a mess. But my, I mean, you, Omar, you worked in baseball a long time. Isn't the whole point of this to get the calls right? I believe it is. You know what I'm saying? That that being said, you know, it, it, the point is to get it right. But there are situations that can be complicated, and this is one of those that was very complicated. How about the Rays start in your division, 11-0? and 0. I've never seen anything like it. I don't understand it. They have no money, yet all they do is churn out teams that win year after year. How remarkable is it what the Rays have been able well, to you do? you got to give them credit. you got to just throw down, you know, uh, what they do year in, year out with their payroll. And I can speak for us, a guy that was in Montreal. Uh, you know, you know, they remind me a little bit of uh, how we have to manage Mont- how we did Montreal. You play in that turf, you got to play a different style, so you got to give them credit. Congratulations, Omar! Your son making it to the show. He gets uh, the contract with the Blazers here to close out the year. Have you been watching some Portland Trailblazers basketball? Of course, yeah, of course. You know what? You know, Sal. Like people ask me, you know, hey, how was it? And before I said to myself, you know, if my kid ever makes it to the NBA, I think I'm going to cry, you know. And when we, I was fortunate to be there for him when they got called up and we were in Memphis uh, and they play uh, uh, the Grizzly. Uh, and it was more so, you know what, as a father, it became me and my wife and myself, you know, my wife and us. It was more reflective. Like we thought about like how many, and I think I could speak for so many parents out there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, uh, and I say this, you know, I want to say especially, uh, you know, because I understand that Rick Wolf passed away. Yes. I mean, what a great man, what a great guy he was to talk to parents about raising kids and playing sports. And then, but when that question comes up, it was had to do more like as a parent, you reflect it on all those like times, like, you know, in the driveway when your shot, your kid was shooting the ball, it was hot, it was cold, it was raining. All these things and then like and all the all the road trips you got to take and all that stuff. It was more reflection and for us it was a blessing that you know he made it uh, there that he got that position and like I told him they can't take that away from you. You know what I'm saying you you are an NBA player today and you'll be an NBA ex NBA player when 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 it's not all said and done. So uh, it was it, you know yes it, for us it was like as a family but not only as a family we live in Harrington Park. New Jersey from uh, Northern Valley, uh, the Northern Valley, uh, uh, what is it, high school. It, it, you felt like the whole community was part of that success, and that's what's made it special. Gives you know? me goosebumps hearing that, Omar. Uh, happy for you and your family, of course. What a thrill. And classy bringing up Rick Wolf, the untimely passings. I, I was shocked to hear that. Uh, oh, I love, I love Rick. You know, I knew his father. I played against Rick. We play, He played for the Robins in New Rochelle. I used to play for, you know, and Bob Wolf and the whole family. And But, you know, Rick was – I used to listen to Rick on Saturday. I think it was Sunday morning. Sunday mornings, yeah, 25 years. I was you talking know, with I Sean. listened to him, and I tried to hire him a couple of times because he was a great uh, sports psychologist. I tried to hire him a couple of times. 
Uh, well, what a great guy, what a great man, and uh, condolences to his family and to all his listeners, too. You know, Rick was an unbelievable guy. Uh, and to you, uh, as you said, we worked together asking why, and I will tell you, listeners, working with Sal, it is fun <laughs> because he is so... <laughs> I, I know. love working with you. I'm now. a nut job. I'm a nut job. I know. I'm surprised you didn't lose. I love that. You I, know what I'm saying? I'm and, glad and, you didn't and, lose and, my number. I appreciate you getting back to me. Listen to me. Yeah. Listen to me. You ended up winning. Remember when we, we made the uh, the poll as far as how many how much money was going to be spent you in the off season? Yeah, I said we were doing the, the free agent pool at a judge Nimmo. I forget who else was in there. Degrom. I yep. said seven hundred million. Everybody thought I was nuts so overshooting it. I was almost right on the button. Well, it went over that. It went way over that. <laughs> Uh, um, right, unbelievable. And I, and I appreciate you giving me the call for that as well. But Omar, we miss you over at SNY. Continued success to both your son Justin in the NBA with the Blazers and, of course, you with the Yankees. Don't be a stranger. We'll be in touch throughout the course of the season, Omar. Well, always good talking to you. All the best. Keep it uh, and many, much, much success to you, okay? Thank you very much. Omar Manaya, senior advisor to the Yankees. Fun to talk some uh, different, awkward maybe, but fun to talk some Yankees with Omar. Pleasure to be able to get to know him, you know, over the last year or so uh, at, at SNY, and I'm glad he didn't lose my number. Who knew? 877-337-6666. That's our number to get on the board here. Whether you want to talk about the replay stuff, the Yankees, Mets, we'll get more into that as well. Islanders right now, 3-1 lead. If I could barely see this screen here, I get the lights in my eyes. I can't see what's going on, but it is 3-1 Islanders, so they're in good shape here in the second period trying to clinch a playoff spot. Anyway, we'll get back to the Mets and Yankees and a replay nonsense, whatever it is else uh, that's on your mind on this Wednesday evening as we're going until 12 a.m. It's Sal Licata on the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sal kind of back on the fan. So the Yankees, forget about the replay stuff. Although if you want to call and talk about it still, I'm fine with that. But let's actually talk about the team. You heard us talk with Omar about Franchi Cordero. And all kidding aside, I know we sit here and it's easy as fans or media members to critique front offices and things like that. It's, it is at times foolish, flat out foolish to do it when you're talking about the New York Yankees. Because, I mean, there are very few organizations as smart as they are or as successful as they have been. Where I, And look, I know the Rays do it with no money and they've been great. That's fine. The Yankees are in the playoffs every single year. And Brian Cashman, there's always he's always making moves. Even when you don't expect it, he's always making moves. And we sit here and say the Yankees talked about needing an outfielder, needing a left fielder specifically. And, and then they go out there and add a bat like Frenchie Cordero, who has had a big impact on this team. I mean, it's remarkable to start the year. Hey, well, where's the Yankees left fielder? What are they going to do? Uh-oh, Bader's out. Yankees are in trouble. Oh, guess what? Frenchie Cordero to the rescue. Four homers on the year. And he hit a big one, you know, in yesterday's game. Of course, Yanks get down 3 nothing. They're able to come back as Cordero ties it in the seventh with his fourth home run, as we mentioned. And then Oswaldo Cabrera, who is just a super high-energy player. You, know, you got to love a guy like Cabrera being on. You feel like he's a guy who's going to be a key piece on a championship team at some point, don't you? He can play everywhere. He brings that energy. It's, it's hard not to be infected by his energy where you would think you're sitting on that bench. He pumps you up a little bit. Every base hit he gets with the celebration, just you know, passionate player, excitable player, uh, and a productive player at times for the Yankees in his you know brief major league career so far. Once he puts it together, he could be a, a big part. You know, you look, I, I hate to even reference Ben Zobost because I never liked him as a player, but he was a 2015 World Series MVP, naturally. Uh, or excuse me, 2016 World Series uh, MVP. And... You know, you get a guy like that, a utility-type player. You know, Cabrera play a little a little bit of everywhere, spelling different guys, but making sure his bat is in that lineup. He's done a nice job. He had the game-winning hit. Clay Holmes was shaky in the ninth, but he ended up getting the job done. Yanks one issue right now. Look, they need to get healthy. Carlos Rodon was brought here for a reason. He's got to be out there pitching, and now he's dealing with the back issues on top of the arm issues. So who knows what could happen here uh, with Rodona when he's coming back, but ultimately the Yankees are going to need him back. And you put him behind Garrett Cole, who was another dominant performance, uh, last night from Cole and Nestor Cortez. You got those three guys going and who knows with Johnny Brito, or whoever else. And if the Yanks rotation is that good and, you know, maybe add a bullpen piece, maybe another bat at the deadline. The Yankees are pretty, are as pretty complete as you could be. And they get another, like we said, another series win to start the year. I believe I saw on yes, it was only the fifth time in franchise history that they've won their first four series uh, to start the year. I can't even believe that that's accurate. But anyway, I think that's what we saw. Usually we're used to the Yankees starting a little bit slow for the first week or so. Then they take off and go in their regular, you know, 95 to uh, 105 wins. As for the Mets, they had an important win. This was an important early season win for the Mets. They had to get this series just to kind of stabilize things. The only team they beat was the Marlins, and you know they looked okay in doing so. But even then, there were some moments where you're like, eh, I don't know. And they get blasted by Milwaukee in three games, something the Mets didn't do at all last year. Get swept, you know, they get swept in September last year. They get swept in the second series of the year this year. They didn't lose a series until mid-May. They lose the second series of the year this year. Plus, they're heading out west. You know, they they're off tomorrow. They're heading to Oakland for a three-game series. 
before L.A., taking on the Dodgers and the Giants, of course. Those West Coast trips are always challenging, although the Mets had success last year with it. Remember, we were always waiting. Oh, this is going to be the real test. This is going to be the real test. And the Mets never folded until the very end against Atlanta down the final, you know, the final week of the season. But this year, with the starting pitching being hit hard, with Quintana being out, Verlander being on the IL, Carrasco being unusable. I mean, they're going to run him out there at least another time, but you can't keep doing it if he keeps getting getting hammered. And, you know, with that being the case, three-fifths of their starting rotation going into the year not being useful, it's imperative that Scherzer does what he does, and he did that against the Padres on Monday night, settling things down. And it's also important that you get David Peterson and Tyler McGill stabilizing things in that rotation. And they did that. And now they'll have Kodai Singa start the opener in Oakland on Friday. But the Mets get an important win. And they do it with the top of the order getting the job done, which is how they're built. They are built on the rotation, have to get Verlander back, and they're built with Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, and Pete Alonso to get the job done. And they did that yesterday. So a nice, important, early season series win for the Mets. 877-337-6666. Avery is calling from Manhattan. Avery, you like the rules about the replay stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, I just thought, sorry, Sal. I just thought that it was a little bit silly that if, if the rule exists, how come he was able to call it late? I mean, I get what you said. I get it's good that the right play was called. And I agree, as a Yankee fan, still, it was the right play. Right. It was the correct play that was called in the end. That's completely fair to say. But I thought, just thought it was a little bit silly that I feel like it was the influence of the crowd almost that made the umpires decide that in the end, they, would, they went with what Frank Cohn said, even though he said it late. Right. I don't know how they were able to do that, honestly. I mean, I, I really don't know. Now, I'm a, I, I agree with you. I think it happened because of the crowd reaction to the big scoreboard, but how they could do that, I mean, I guess they're the umps and they could do whatever they want, uh, ultimately. I mean, I, I don't know. You would think that somebody's saying, hey, we can't do this because it's against the time, but they pro- here's what my guess would be. I don't know, Connor, do you know if we heard from the umps afterward? I know we heard from Boone and Francona. If we have any right. sound from the umps or whatever, I'd like to hear what their explanation for it was, but I would assume, Avery, that it was just, hey, we might have missed that one. Let's take a look at it. And that's fine. I just I wish it had been clearer on TV because it looked very it looked almost targeted on, from that perspective before obviously it was explained further. What do you mean targeted? I mean it looked like they were siding almost, and I don't think they were based on what was explained in the end. But yeah, it was know. weird watching it on TV. Look, I thought it was the end of the inning, like everybody else. I looked at it initially, and I was like, oh wow, he got that one. It didn't look like to me that right. yeah, I wasn't sure if he caught it, but I, and I was like, oh, I guess he did. And turns out he didn't. But it, when it ends the inning like that, it's a weird thing. You you know, with these challenges at the end of innings, it can be weird. But obviously you saw it. Francona never once gestured that right. it was he was going to challenge. What he said after the game was that Boone and the Yankees might have challenged, which I don't know where he was getting this, but might have challenged whether the run scored or not for Cleveland. At the time. Because remember, if the run scored before the out was made at second, let's assume Hicks catches the ball out number two. They're trying to tag the run, pick the runner off at second before he could get back to the base. Meanwhile, there's a runner, Quan, tagging at third to try to score. So which one's right. happen, Which one happens first? So that's another thing that they were potentially looking at. That's what Frank Kona referenced. But you know, obviously it was a, a different case with, from what Boone was talking about where, where Frank Kona never challenged the play. So why would they review it? Right. 
All that being said, though, I am very impressed with, with what they managed to pull off with Franchi Cordero and all those other players that have come to kind of save them from this whole street, this whole storm of injuries they've been having. And that was a great conversation you had with the front with your friend from the front office before Omar. That was fantastic. Yeah, was well, really thank you. I appreciate that, Avery. Thank you very much. It was fun to catch up with Omar Minaya. I mean, look, Omar, a terrific GM for a long time with the Mets and been a, a baseball guy, as he said, an experienced baseball guy forever, whether it's with Montreal, San Diego, he's been all over the place. So you always love talking to him. And, and, you know, some of the conversations I've had with him, he's taught me a lot. He may not know it, but even just sitting there on the couch talking with him during the breaks or before or after the show, you learn a lot from a guy like that who's actually in the game. You know, we think we know a lot as fans or media members, but then you actually talk to people who do know a lot, whether it's Omar Minaya or Terry Collins or whoever. I mean, those are two guys that I happen to, you know, know a little bit from working with them at SNY, but... They, again, not, not that everybody knows everything, everybody's perfect. As Omar said, he's made some mistakes. But when they say something, you listen because they have experience in the game. So I thought it would be fun to, to talk with Omar a little bit. And look, he's not going to go on here ripping Aaron Hicks. Of course, there are certain questions where like, yeah, what are the, what's the Yankees' next move? Where are your weaknesses? He's not going to say that. He works for the Yankees right now. So there are limited limitations to as to what Omar can say, but uh, I thought it was a fun interview nonetheless and good to catch up with him and uh, talk some Yanks. We'll talk some Yanks, maybe some Mets with you, whatever's on your mind on this Wednesday night. We'll do some NBA coming up at 10 o'clock. We'll talk to JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, who we've had on in the past. I've had him on in the overnights um, previewing the NBA postseason because I'm not up to date with what's going on around the league as far as insight and info to all these series. Obviously, looking forward to the Knicks. JVT, though, years ago, when the Knicks were last in the postseason during the pandemic, I was ripping him for – he was picking the Hawks. And I was like, what are you, insane? The Knicks own the Hawks in the regular season. And he correctly picked Atlanta. So, you know what? I figured we'll have him back on and see what he thinks of the Knicks. This go-around in their first-round matchup with Cleveland, amongst the other stuff. Anyway, that's a little bit later on. Whatever you want to discuss, 877-337-6666. Sal Akata on the fan. Sal Akata back on the fan, 877-337-6666. 66. Meth fans haven't heard from you tonight. What's the matter? Nothing to complain about? I'm sure you'll find something eventually. It was a nice series win for the Mets. Even though, you know, game two of that series with Alvarez striking out, you know, down uh, to the last out there with two guys on, two on, two out, down two, Alvarez, chance to be the hero. Strike three, game over, go home. Drive home safe, everyone. And look, he's going to take his lumps and learn from a moment like that, but clearly... Alvarez trying to do too much. And the Mets are going to need him here. They're going to need him, and they're going to need Beatty. Andy Martino of SNY was saying a little bit earlier on Baseball Night New York that maybe Beatty could be up here by Memorial Day. It's not out of the realm of possibility with the way that Escobar is struggling. He struggled in the spring as well. With the way that he's struggling, with the way that Beatty is absolutely raking, you know, maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility to see Beatty by May here. Remember, I mean, Mets are trying to win the division Hey, every game matters, as you know, last year. Came down to a tiebreaker, for goodness sake. So at some point, I mean, and it's not just the third base spot. If it were that alone, see, that's why the Yankees could overcome Volpe getting off to a slow start. And I love the point that Omar made before with Boone batting him leadoff after the off day, kind of giving him a chance to reset a little bit, struggling to start uh, the year's major league career. Give him the off day and then throw him in a leadoff spot. He cranked one the first at bat, his first at bat of the game, leadoff. Ripped one I thought was gone off the bat, but it hit off the wall in left field. Anyway, maybe that could get Volpe going. But the Yankees can overcome Volpe learning his way 
through the first few weeks or however long it's going to be here at the major league level. The Mets cannot. They don't have the depth in that lineup. So it's not just Alvarez. It's the catching spot overall. It's the left field spot. It's DH spot. It's the third base spot. I mean, it's you know, not just Escobar struggling that they need Beatty. It's all the above. That's what makes it worse. Jim is calling from West Harrison, New York. What's up, Jim? How are you, my friend? Good, Jim. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you. My first question, it's off the wall, but can you explain to me how two Italian guys on WFAN, the number one radio station in the world, are fans of two losing football teams, well, the Atlanta Falcons yeah. and the Minnesota Vikings? Oh, right? well, well what is what is uh, being Italian have anything to do with it? I'm not just. I'm just making a joke. Oh, oh yeah. Well, you know what happens with the with the NFL, Jim. But truth be told, I was a when I was younger. I liked the Giants. Here's the true story. If you actually care to know, I'll say it real quick, and then I'll let you get to your point. My I father. Do, I do, okay, so my father was not a sports fan, so I didn't have any leadership there. So when the, when I was really young, the Giants were good, right? They were in the Super Bowl. I remember against the Bills. That's kind of like my first one of my first Super Bowl memories in 1990. Norwood, no good, whatever. So I was a little bit of a Giants fan. I liked Parcells. I liked, I remember liking Felipe Sparks. And then the next thing I know, I kind of just kind of drifted to Deion Sanders, who was a dual sport athlete. My grandfather used to watch the Braves, so we would watch the Braves together. I'd see Deion. I knew he played for the Falcons. Then I got this Falcon jersey and the Falcon starter jacket, and it kind of just took over from there. I can't explain Geo, but that's how it happened to me. I mean, but but listen, I, I still don't understand. You're a New Yorker, a purebred New Yorker. How do you like a team from another state? I just told you. It, it, to me, sports were never about. I know it sounds crazy, but they're never about where I'm from. Think about it. I grew up loving the Rangers. I'm from Long Island. If you grow up in New York, if you love the Mets, generally you hate the Yankees. That's not New York, is it, to hate the Yankees? Well, guess what? We have two, two teams here. That's not necessarily true. I grew up across the street from Yankee Stadium when we came to America in 69. And? Across the street from Yankee Stadium on, and I'm a Jets and a Mets fan. Okay, but do you hate the Giants or the Yankees? Not really, because how could I hate the Giants and Yankees? I used to walk across the street and, and, and go into the stadium and watch the Giants. No, it's so, uh, well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, for me, it didn't – look, I, as in junior high school, I wasn't necessarily thinking about that. I mean, I, I didn't – I liked the, the Falcons' colors, and I liked Deion Sanders. I got the starter jacket, and it snowballed from there. Now, there have been points in my life when Parcells went to the Jets, I started rooting for the Jets. And now I root for both teams because, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm representing the New York sports fan on the airwaves. I love doing it. I like when the Giants and Jets are good as long as I believe in what the organizations are doing, and I do for both at the current time. I agree with you 100%. Uh, the other two things. Great interview with uh, uh, Omar. That was a really good interview. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And the other thing on, on the replay call, the reason why they have the 15-second rule is because of the pitch clock for the pitchers. If, if you don't call within 15 seconds and the play, the next play happens, you can't go back in and say, well, wait a minute, that pitch didn't count, and it was, uh, it was uh, the, the second out of the, uh, the, the game. You can't go back. That's why that rule, the 15-second rule, is in uh, for replay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, man, that may be the case, but they don't want these guys taking it. Thank you for the call, Jim. They don't want these guys taking all day to decide whether they want to challenge it or not. Same thing, pace of play, keep the game moving, fine. But which is it? Do you want the game to move, or do you want to get the calls right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. They got the call right. What is everybody complaining about? 
Oh, 15 seconds. Semantics. Bottom line is they got the call right. We'll take more of your calls on the other side. 877-337-6666. Sal Licata on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.